0: Hey everyone, you are listening to the Covenant Grace Church Podcast. We are a gospel-centered community on mission with Jesus in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Thank you for joining us as we journey through the book of Exodus. Enjoy the message. Uh, Today we're on the third commandment, as you heard from our kids reading. And so the question I want to begin with is, what's in a name? I think that uh, COVID-19 has highlighted the importance of names. For example, here in uh, South Africa, in particular in Jeffreys Bay, we have an international surfing competition that takes place uh, once every year. And all the best surfers from around the world fly into Jeffreys Bay. And the contest happens around July. And for the last few years, the contest has been sponsored. The main title sponsor has been Corona. You heard me right. Corona. It's a brand of beer. And so the J-Bay Open has been called the J-Bay Corona Open for the last few years. And I'm thinking that that might not happen again in the future. Another example of the importance of names is a brand that emerged at a good few years ago, and it was in the sports world and the name of the, the, the company or the brand was this it was interactive sports information system and it was a very technical uh, kind of uh, forward thinking program but uh, they decided to use the initials of that particular brand and it was Isis, which uh, soon became frowned upon and so to this particular product now a more important value in regards to names is parents naming their children. It's one of the most important things you'll do and it's probably the very first thing that you'll get to do with your children and they will keep that name for the rest of their lives. And so what you do as a parent is you consult your family history, and you consider the friends that you grew up with. You know, we need to avoid that guy's name because he was a pain in school. And I remember that girl, and we don't want to call her that. And you even consult the Bible. You look at Bible names. Uh, You double-check the initials. Don't forget that. Double-check the initials so that it doesn't say something strange. You know what kids are like, you know, kids making fun of other kids because of their names. Let me give you a few tips. So if you have a son and your first son's name is Jacob Whatever you do, don't call your second son Esau. He won't be happy. And if you have a daughter and you call her Mary, what a beautiful name. Whatever you do, when your son comes along, don't call him Joseph. Because even if you are in ministry, Mary and Joseph is just a little bit too much. And then obviously, Goliath and Judas are completely off sides. All that to say that names carry weight. Names are important. And so when we get to the Bible, we see that names carry huge significance. People were given specific names to represent their character, to represent their life's destiny, to represent their calling. For example, Joshua, the name Joshua means God is my salvation. And the Hebrew translation of the name Joshua is Yeshua, which is where we get the name Jesus from, salvation. And so when we talk about God's name, the third commandment, don't take God's name in vain. This is a really important commandment. And at first you might think it was less than the first two. I want to help us to see that actually commandments one, two, and three are a package. They come together. And I mean, that should go without saying, but the first three really do fit together neatly. And so when we're talking about God's name, we are talking about how his name represents his character, how his name is indicative of his nature. Now, we must remember that God is spirit and God cannot be seen. We spoke last week about the invisible God who doesn't want to be represented in any human or created form or fashion. And so when God does reveal himself, he reveals himself historically and redemptively, firstly by the use of his name. And so his name is massively important. I remember that uh, when my kids were younger, and maybe there was a squabble going on, I would often hear this from the room. Dad, Jethro keeps hitting me. And then after a little break, I would have said something, and then I would hear this. Jethro, dad says, if you don't stop, he will dot, dot, dot. And suddenly the nonsense would stop. Here's the point. The word dad carries an authority. Jethro, if you don't stop, dad will. Why did he stop? Well, because there's an authority attached to dad. And and, and that's getting challenged more and more as, as we develop into teenage years. But the point is, there is an authority structure that is associated with particular names. Even more so with God. And so when we think of this third commandment, I really want us to see the weightiness of this. This was uh, played out more in Israel's history. When we turn to books like Leviticus, we read this. Check this out. This is really serious. In Leviticus 24, verse 16, we read this. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, the pilgrim, as well as the native. So the non-Israelite, because remember there were Egyptians that came out with them as well. And the Jew, the native, when he blasphemes the name, the name, the name of the Lord shall be put to death. Well, as we've been doing some biblical theology lately in our last few sermons, we know that this is a civil law. And it's tied to the moral law. It's referring to don't take the Lord's name in vain, which is the moral law, which is binding for all time. But the consequence here is particular and specific to the nation of Israel in a theocracy. And so there was the death penalty attached to it, the stoning of a person who blasphemes. And we know that under the new covenant, now that no longer applies, the consequence no longer applies But I point this out to show us the severity and the seriousness of the third commandment. So here's what I want us to see. The third commandment shows us two things. Firstly, we see a strict prohibition. And then we're going to see a sweet privilege. So number one, a strict prohibition. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Notice the words, take the name. That can be translated, that's the ESV's translation. It can be translated as you shall not bear the name or lift up or take up the name. And then we have the word in vain. So you shall not bear up or lift up or take up the name of the Lord in vain. In vain meaning empty or worthless or to no good purpose. In other words, what's forbidden is We must not use or take up the name of God carelessly, recklessly, irreverently, or for any wrong purpose. Do not misrepresent God. That's what's strictly forbidden here, is God should not be misrepresented. And when we think of the first command, second command, third command, it makes sense. You shall have no other gods. Don't misrepresent me with man-made created images and don't misrepresent me verbally don't say i've done things that i haven't done and don't misrepresent me to the nations around you this clearly is an important issue for the people of israel then and it's an important issue for us today now we don't we also don't want to get too superstitious or overly religious about this as some movements, and some religious groups, they don't even want to speak the name of the Lord because of this third commandment. And I don't think that it's getting at that. I really do think what it's getting at is abuse and misuse. Abuse of God's name and misuse. There is room for correct use, as we're going to see in our second point. And so the commandment itself, this prohibition, don't do this, actually arises from the fact that God has revealed himself. If we look back to chapter 20 verse 1, it says, I am the Lord your God who has delivered you, brought you out of Egypt. So it's God's self-revelation that brings us to this particular point. In other words, God wants to be known. God wants to make himself known and he does. Remember the very calling of Moses? God's goal throughout the call to Moses was to make himself known. God was going to make himself known to Moses first. Then he would go to Pharaoh and he would make himself known to Pharaoh, known to all Israel and known to all of Egypt. And how was he get to be known? He would get to be known as the only God. All the other gods are not gods. He's the only God. He would also be get get to be known as the Redeemer because he redeemed them. He bought them out of Egypt. He would... He would get to be known as judge because of the judgments, as deliverer because he delivered them, as provider as he provided for them through the wilderness, and as the only sovereign Lord. Pharaoh, you are not Lord. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is Lord. Remember what happened. Have a look at this with me in Exodus chapter 3. When God revealed himself to Moses, we read the following in verse 13. And so there is no doubt God is revealing himself through his divine acts, those acts of judgment and the divine acts of deliverance in the Passover and in the Red Sea. But also God has revealed himself by his name. And the name of God here, as we see in the text, is I am, which in the Hebrew is Yahweh. Yahweh has sent me to you. That's what Moses was going to say. And if we unpack that word, I am, or Yahweh, we come to an understanding that what it's saying is that He, God, is the ultimate reality. He is the self-existent God. He is the eternal, all-sufficient God. There is no other God like Him. And this would become Israel's name for God. They would know God as this. This was God's covenant name for what God did for them. And so God would be feared amongst his people. He would be revered amongst his people. And this name we actually see get used throughout the Old Testament, close on 7,000 times. it is God is referred to throughout the Old Testament as Yahweh. Now many scribes and Jewish Pharisees would would, would tremble so much at even using this name that they they would wear new clothes every time they would write the name and then they would throw that quill away because it already had written the name of the Lord. And there is an important principle there, but I think the application is misunderstood. So how should we respond? Well, I think firstly, there are three things we need to note that this prohibition is against. Three things that this commandment is strongly against. Number one would be blasphemy. Point A under point one is blasphemy. Any casual use or any direct abuse of God's name is prohibited by this commandment. Any cursing or cussing and any use, inappropriate use of God's name. And we know what that sounds like. And and we know that in the culture, it's it, it's it's used, God's name is used. People speak about Christ this or Jesus that. I mean, it's, it's hard to even say it here for you now, but we hear things like this, Jesus Christ, why did you have to do that? Uh, or, oh God, or oh my God, or oh Christ. And it just it's just hard even to say it, but it's not just that it sounds bad, it's that what people are doing is they are using the most holy and righteous name for the eternal existence, self-sufficient God, for their unholy, unrighteous emotions. And so in order to express this unholy emotion, they are attaching the glory of God to it. And that's why it is blasphemy. They are misrepresenting God. How about you use your own name next time? Then what else is blasphemy? Well, I want to suggest to us that blasphemy is actually also a result of false teaching. Because if you think about it, if we teach that God has said something that he actually hasn't said, we are misrepresenting God. And so false teaching actually is blasphemy. It is blasphemous to teach false doctrine. And I know that a lot of you watching maybe aren't teachers or pastors but, but it's just another reminder that we need to deal with the word of God with seriousness. We need to be careful what we teach, what we tell others. Maybe you're teaching your children or maybe you're even just teaching your friends and neighbors. We need to weigh that up very carefully. And I'm not saying don't teach. I'm saying do your homework. Make sure that you're teaching truth. And if you want to know more about how to do that, get in touch with us. Not that we have it perfect, but uh, God is leading us and God is showing us particular streams and ways in which we can make sure that we are not misrepresenting His name. Another way or form of blasphemy is false prophecy. I mean, I hear people saying things like this, or I watch it on TV and we hear things like this regularly. Oh, God told me, God told me this, this, or that. Or even worse, God told me to tell you this or that. Here's what's very dangerous. If God didn't say that, you are accusing him of saying a lie. And Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, has some harsh words for you. He reminds us, he says this in chapter 23, verse 25. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name. Notice that God hears it all, and we need to be so careful when we attach God's name to things that we think he's saying or doing. Philip Ryken, under this particular point, has this commentary to say. He says this, a more serious way to break the third commandment is by using God's name to advance our own agenda. Some Christians say, the Lord told me to do this. Or worse, they say, the Lord told me to tell you to do this. This is false prophecy. God has already said whatever he needs to say to us in his word. Of course there is also an inward leading of the Holy Spirit, but this is only an inward leading and it should not be misrepresented as an authoritative word from God. The second thing that's forbidden here under our first point is breaking promises, breaking promises, the making of promises, using the Lord's name to take an oath or swear an oath or to make a promise is a very serious matter in the Bible. Now, today in our culture, we might look upon that quite flippantly, but the point is this, is that if you make a promise and you even use an oath or you swear by God in the promise and then you break the promise. The reason why it is not helpful or forbidden is because it's an insult to the faithfulness of God. God doesn't break his promises and so neither should we. Leviticus 19 verse 20 says this, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane The name of your God, I am the Lord. In other words, I don't break my promises. I don't say yes and then do something else. I don't say no and then do something else. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Be men and women of your word. J.R. Packer says this The godly man will make promises cautiously, but keep them conscientiously once they're made knowing that irresponsibility and unreliability here are great and grievous sins. And so we just need to feel the weight of that and be reminded of the severity of taking oaths or taking vows and making promises. The third quick one is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, Christians behaving like non-Christians or non-Christians trying to behave like Christians. Both situations are an insult to the revelation of God, an insult to the Lord himself. Think about it. True Christians do sometimes give in to worldly pressures maybe maybe in the workplace, maybe on the sports field, whatever it might be, when you give in to those pressures and you begin to act just like them or you begin to speak just like them, your witness goes out the window. And it may be because you're seeking approval from man or people around you, but whatever it is, it leads to compromise. And together with it, the name of the Lord is compromised. Then false Christians, you might be thinking, well, who are they? Well, they are. They are false Christians even within the church. And I think that the current season we're going through globally with this pandemic is a real filtering out because it's not easy to be a false professor of faith in Christ in these current days. And so these are people who confess Christ with their mouths, but they deny him with their lives. And they may have joined the church because, hey, I get a good social standing. Or I've joined the church because of financial gain. Or I've joined the church because that girl or that guy, you know, the whole scenario, hot girl, hot guy, whatever it might be. False motives, false reasons. But here's what God says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, the Lord knows who are his, and then he says this, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. I mean the third command we're talking about not using the name of the Lord in vain, not taking up the name of the Lord in vain, and here he says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord if you if you call yourself a Christian, if you are claiming to be a Christian, you naming the name of the Lord. You depart from iniquity. There is a corresponding standard of righteousness that should be pursued because of the name of the Lord. Because you name the name of the Lord. You want to bear witness to the Lord Jesus. And so we need to hear this carefully. We need to hear this. That it's not good enough for you to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'll get my life sorted out later. That's not good enough. It's not not good enough to say, oh, I go to church but I'll get serious about Jesus maybe one day when I get married. No, that's not good enough. If you naming the name of the Lord, don't wait till later. Sort it out now. Then, did you notice the, the severity of the penalty? Let's read the end of verse 7. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In other words, all of these things that I've been talking about, blasphemy, broken promises, irreverence, offensive language, false prophecy, false teaching, all of these things are a serious offense to God. They all misrepresent the nature and the character of a holy and righteous God. And we will be held accountable. Martin Luther says this, We are to fear and love God so that we do not use His name superstitiously or use it to curse, swear, lie, or deceive, but call upon Him in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. And here is where I think this commandment takes a positive shift. Because all we've said up till now is the negative aspect. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. That's what you mustn't do. But notice at the end of Luther's quote here, he says, but, the contrast. So don't do that, but here's what you must do. And I think all of the commandments actually have both a positive and a negative element to them. So what should we do? He says we must call upon him in prayer in praise and thanksgiving. And so this brings me to my final point, And that is, not only do we see here a strict prohibition, but we actually see a, a sweet privilege. Look again at the opening text, verse seven. You shall not take up. And we say, take the name means to be taken up or to be lifted up or to bear up. And so if it's negatively, don't do that, then also positively, there is a sense in which we can take up or bear up The name of the Lord positively. What does that look like? Well, it looks like consistency. It looks like praise and worship. It looks like a life led for the glory of God. It looks like a life pursuing holiness and righteousness. It's not the perfect life. No, obviously it's not the perfect life. We know that the Israelites were far from perfect, but it looks like a life submitted to the word of God. A life that wants to please God in all things. Let's think about this. Here's what I think he's saying. I think that the positive element of this is the command is saying, don't misuse God's name. Don't abuse God's name. But what you must do is praise God's name. You must praise God with your lips, with your mouth, and with your life. Your life must lift up the name of the Lord. Take up the name of the Lord. Not in vain, but in praise. Psalm 63, verse 3, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. There's a real sense here that that there is an invitation. There is a sweet invitation for us to bring glory to God with our lips and with our lives. Christian, this is the privilege we have. And the reason we have this privilege is because the Lord, your God, is your God. And I think that this is what Jesus is getting at when we get to the New Testament and the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus teaches them this. And you know this so well, but notice this in Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus teaches them and he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so it's not that the third commandment is saying you're not allowed to speak of God's name like some overly religious people do. They're too afraid to speak about God as God or Jesus as Jesus and they want to use the Hebrew language and the Hebrew terminology. I think Jesus undoes all of that right here. But notice that he's not talking about just being fast and loose with God. He's he's reverent. There's a sense in which it's our father and yes, hallowed be your name. There's a sense in which we are to honor the name of the Lord, but it's personal. It's a sweet privilege. He's our father. And I'm pretty convinced that what Jesus has in mind here is the God who brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. And in a sense, Jesus is gonna bring us out of our Egypt, out of the Egypt of our sin. And more than that, He's going to bring us to Himself so that through Christ we become members of God's family and therefore we can call Him our Father. We get adopted through Christ and we get a Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven Hallowed be your name. Let your name be praised. Let your name be glorified. Let everything about my life, not only do I want to obey the third commandment, just not to misuse God's name and not to abuse God's name, but I also want to obey the third commandment in bringing God praise with my life. And so I end with Colossians 3 verse 17 and we read this. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wow, it's just such a wonderful summary, conclusion, I think, for the third commandment. Whatever you do, in word, with your mouth, with your with your verbal life, and also indeed with your actions. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Bringing glory to God the Father through Christ. And so this is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. This is the essence of what it means to obey the third commandment. That in everything, in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our actions, that we bring praise and glory to God. That we don't just say good things about God, but we actually Live lives that bring glory and praise to God. And so in conclusion, I think this wonderful commandment is both negatives. There are things we should not do. And we've spoken about those. Do not blasphemy. Do not break promises. Do not act and live hypocritically. Do not lift up the name of the Lord in vain. Don't do that. But also, there's a positive element. Things we must do. Lift up his name. Lift up his name with your lips and with your lives. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord. You know, in the Hebrew, that is the two different translations for Yahweh. The first one is O Yahweh, our Adonai. O Lord, our Lord. It is both the glory of God in his full revelation of I am, but also Adonai, the very personal, very intimate name of God. He's our Lord, our Father. And then he says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, it's not just for Israel, this promise and this commandment. It's for all nations that the name of the Lord would be lifted up in all the earth, that all nations would come to know the name of the Lord, our God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that we could gather, although scattered, that we could worship. What a privilege to know you. Lord, we confess that the only reason we know you is because you revealed yourself. We were not looking for you. We were not seeking for you. The word tells us no one seeks after God. No, not one. None is righteous. And so we, Lord, that was us. It, it, it's our story that you found us, that you sought us. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can know you today because of your sovereign grace And your mercy, that you opened our eyes, that you opened our hearts, that you shone the light of Christ upon our dead hearts and you raised us into newness of life. Lord, we thank you that you've revealed yourself. You've made yourself known supremely in sending Jesus and also in your word, the word of God. And then in creation, And so in creation and in scripture and in Christ, we see you, the invisible God. We know you because you have made yourself known. And it's our prayer that, Lord, we would honor you, that, yes, we would love you as our Father in heaven, but also we would not be casual, but we would be reverent. And say, hallowed be your name. Honored and praised be to your name. Not our name, but to your name be praised. Amen.